Give her a 
take your copy of God's Word and be turning to 1 Kings chapter 17. Thank you so much, ladies. They always do such a wonderful job in uh, ministering to us in music. 1 Kings chapter 17. You know, parenting is hard work. Uh, We're thinking about Mother's Day. We're thinking about moms today. And though I've never been a mother, obviously, I know that they have a hard job. And um, I ran across some stories this past week, and I want to read them to you. And moms, you see if you can uh, relate to any of these stories. A couple invited some people to dinner. And at the table, the wife turned to their six-year-old daughter and said, Would you like to say the blessing? I wouldn't know what to say, the girl replied. Well, just say what you hear mommy say, the wife answered. (laughs) The daughter bowed her head and said, Lord, why on earth did I invite all these people to dinner? (laughs) Maybe you can relate to this one. One rainy morning, my mother went for her daily run. As she returned to the house, she slipped and fell, hitting her head on the driveway. I called the paramedics. When they arrived, they asked my mom some questions to determine her coherency. What is today, inquired one man, and without hesitation, mom replied, trash day. (laughs) Maybe this one resonates with you. Although I knew I'd put on a few pounds, I didn't consider myself overweight until the day I decided to clean my refrigerator. I sat on the chair in front of the appliance and reached in to wipe the back wall. So kind of get that picture in your mind. She's there. She's on a chair leaning and wiping uh, the refrigerator. While I was in this position, my teenage son came into the kitchen and said, Hi, Mom. What you doing? Having lunch? (laughs) I started my diet that day. Mothering is hard work. Finally, this one really made me chuckle as I was thinking about our musical uh, that was just last week, wasn't it? It's like an eternity ago. That was just last Sunday night. But this one kind of resonated with me as I thought about last Sunday night, if you were here for the play. Uh, texting acronyms can stump even the best parents. Mom texts, your great aunt just passed away, LOL. The son texts back, but texts back. Why is that funny? Mom texts back, it's not funny, David. What do you mean? The son replies, Mom, LOL means laughing out loud. Mom replies, I thought it meant lots of love. I have to call everyone back. (laughs) Now, those are some not so serious uh, examples of how challenging mothering can be. But we all know there are some issues, beloved, that are dead serious. Um, Issues that can bring us to our knees. uh, Issues that literally rock our world. And today I want to look at a mother in the Bible, who dealt with uh, some of those type of issues. And I hope today's message is encouragement, not only to the moms, but to all of us that are here. And I want to look with you in the Old Testament book of uh, 1 Kings, chapter 17. Now, we first learn about this mother here in 1 Kings, chapter 17. And then we find that Jesus talks about her later in the New Testament in the Gospel of Luke. And I'm referring, of course, to the widow of Zarephath. I don't know if you remember her story or not, but if not, uh, you can kind of learn about her today. And if you do, it'll be a good refresher to you maybe as we study her life, this mother uh, known as the widow of Zarephath. I want to begin reading, and I'm going to read the entire chapter, and uh, then we'll come back and talk about it. So you're in 1 Kings 
chapter 17, and I'll begin reading at verse 1 to kind of set the scene, and we'll read down through the end of the chapter at verse 24. We're, of course, in the life of Elijah here at this time. We're looking at him, and it says in 1 Kings 17:1, And Elijah the Tishbite of the inhabitants of Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I stand, there shall not be dew nor rain these years except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Get away from here and turn eastward and hide by the brook Kirith, which flows into the Jordan. And it will be that you shall drink from the brook, and I commanded the ravens to feed you there. Phenomenal there. Verse 5, So he went and did according to the word of the Lord, and for he went and stayed by the brook Kirith, which flows into the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. And it happened after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Verse 8, then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called it to her and said, Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks and I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. And Elijah said to her, Do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. And bring it to me, and afterward make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, The bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. The bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah." Verse 17. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And her sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. So she said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? And he said to her, Give me your son. So he took him out of her arms and carried him to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. Then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow with whom I lodged by killing her son? And he stretched himself out on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. Then the Lord heard the voice of Elijah. And the soul of the child came back to him and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. Now I want to center our thoughts around two main points today. The first one is simply this. We have real 
problems. We have real problems. Now that's true of mothers, that's true of fathers and children and singles and couples and married people and divorced people and all sorts of people, all people. This is true. For everybody, we have real problems. Life can be so hard, can it? It can be so hard. We live in a fallen, sin-cursed world. And we realize here that even if you have the prophet Elijah living at your house, you're still going to have problems. You're not immune to the problems. Now, looking at this widow, this nameless mother, this precious lady here, we notice that she had her share of problems. I want you to notice, that first of all, that she knew hardship. She knew all about hardship. When she's first mentioned in the passage, she's described as a widow. I mean, the, the brook runs dry and Elijah's there and I guess the ravens are not coming back. There's nothing to drink. Arise, go to this widow who's going to care for you. And we know that somewhere along the line she had been married, but now she's lost her husband. He's died. You know, we might repeat those vows till death do us part in our wedding ceremony, but... Most people probably give very little thought to just how soon that can be reality. But death had taken away her husband, her provider, her protector. And it left her to fend for herself and for her son. We don't think her son was very old. We think he was a young man here. I mean, you notice that Elijah carried him up into his own uh, room there to pray over him and to to, uh, heal him and bring him back to life. And so this lady, she knew hardship, but she also knew desperation. She knew desperation. When Elijah first meets her, do you remember what she's doing? She's not going out to have lunch with her girlfriends. She's not returning from the beauty parlor. She's out picking up some sticks. In fact, let's look at the interaction again and listen carefully to her words. Look back at verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called out to her, please bring me a little water and a cup that I may drink. I want you to notice her hospitality. And as she was going to get it, remember we're talking about uh, a drought time. We're talking about a tough time. But she's going and he says, he called to her in verse 11, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Please give me a little something to drink. Bring me a little something to eat. And I want you to notice what she says in verse 12. And it's not set for emphasis. It's not hyperbole. She literally means what she's about to say in verse 12. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin, a little oil in a jar, and see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks, not a mountain of firewood, a few sticks. Then I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son, that we may eat it and what? And die. She only needed a few sticks because she didn't have much to cook. It wasn't going to take very long. She was about to prepare their last meal, and then they would starve to death. Now, I said it appears her son is very young, but imagine, Mom, not having food for your child. Imagine hearing the words, Mommy, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm starving. And then imagine you give him the last bit that you have and then watching him slowly grow weaker and weaker until death comes, all because there is no food. This lady knew hardship, but she also knew desperation. This was a desperate time in her life. A tough time in her life. But it continues to grow and it compounds. Not only a hardship and desperation, she also knew sorrow. Now we know that she's already buried her husband. And then thankfully her son survived starvation. The prophet comes and 
there's enough flour, there's enough oil to eat and so forth, but her son dies anyway. Look at verse 17. Now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. Now some say, well, you know, he really didn't die. No, he was really dead, beloved. Look at what it says in verse 21. It says, And he stretched, Elijah stretched himself on the child three times and cried out to the Lord these words, O Lord my God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. He was really dead. And this mom is filled with grief. Listen to her words in verse 18. She said to Elijah, What have I to do with you, old man of God? Have you come to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? It appears she almost lays the blame at Elijah's feet thinking maybe that his presence had, had kind of caught God's attention and he noticed there was that widow and he noticed some whatever that sin was in her life and, and now she's being punished for that. Perhaps she thought how cruel to save my son and myself from starvation only to let him die in a different way. See, this lady knew problems. She knew hardship. She knew desperation. She knew sorrow. She knew pain. And beloved, I'm well aware that all of us have real problems in our lives as well. And I'm really aware that days like this, Mother's Day, can be some of the most painful days of all. There might be those here or those listening later on who are mourning the loss of their own mother. There might be some who are mourning the fact that they can never themselves be a mother. Maybe there are other mothers that are mourning the fact of the failures they've made in their own life when it came to motherhood. There are thoughts on days like today of, of children lost in death or miscarriages or abortion. So many things that could rise to the surface. Some of these days where we celebrate are some of the hardest days that people endure because of the things that it brings to their memory. And then you think about those who are just mothering. And they're in the throes right now of school routines and bedtime routines and mountains and mountains of homework, and another meal to prepare, and another cut to bandage, and another tear to wipe away, and on it goes day in and day out with no days off, no overtime pay, no calling in sick even. It just goes on every single day. And we have real problems. We have real struggles. We have real issues. But I'm here to tell you, beloved, that there is hope. Because though we have real problems, we also have a real God. You need to realize that. And rejoice in that today. And take comfort in that. And we see it in the life of this precious lady. A lady who knew such hardship and desperation and sorrow. But we have a real God. Now I'll be honest. I don't know at what point in her life that she literally believed upon Jehovah, but I'm confident that she did. I'm confident we'll meet this lady in heaven. We'll say, oh, there's the widow Zarephath. We could sit down and talk with her. But just looking at what she says teaches us quite a bit about our God. Now, you know, you can have problems and not have God. You know that, right? Everybody has problems. We live in a sin-cursed, fallen world. But not everybody has God. There are those who worship false gods. There are those who worship a God of their imagination. There are those who deny the existence of God, who don't believe that there even is a God. What about you? Do you know God today? 
Do you know the real God? If not, I want to invite you to turn from your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ today. And I want to talk to you a little bit about our real God. Now, I want to use the words of the widow and I want to show you what we can learn about our God. Some wonderful truth here. I want you to notice we learn first of all and we're reminded that our God is living. Look back to the very first words that this widow says in the passage to Elijah. 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 12. So she said, As the Lord your God lives. I don't have bread. I don't have what I need. I'm going to make this final meal and we're going to die. As the Lord your God lives. Our God is a living God. Our God is the great I Am. The same God that Elijah is serving here so long ago in 1 Kings chapter 17 is the same God that we're singing praises to and praying to and worshiping here in this service today. He's the same, the Bible says, yesterday, today, and forever. He is the Lord. He changes not. And beloved, He is alive. He's living. But He's not only living, He's also active. He's active. Now, you know that someone can be alive but not active, right? You understand that. I could take you today and we can go down to a nursing home or an assistant living facility. We can meet many people that are alive, but they're not active. But our God is not only alive, He's not only living, He's actively at work in our world. He's actively at work in our lives. It was God who led Elijah to the brook. It was God who fed him with the ravens. It was God who led him to this widow, woman, and her son. It was God who replenished the oil and the flour day in and day out. How awesome is that, by the way? Just to realize every day a fresh reminder that God is living, God is active, God is providing for us. It was God who restored the life back to this little lad. God is active. He's at work all around us. And we seldom recognize it. And we seldom stop to say thank you. God is at work every day. All around us all the time. We would probably fall upon our knees weeping and quivering if we knew just how much God has protected us just this past week. (laughs) Did you go anywhere this past week? Did you get on the highway and drive anywhere this past week? Have you been anywhere where there's something that could have happened to you? Do you realize every single breath that you take, every time your heart pumps, every time your lungs fill with air, that is the grace and goodness of Almighty God. He is living and He is active. And He's active in your life, whether you realize it or not. And He's active in our world. He is living, He is active, but you know what? We also know that He is trustworthy. He's trustworthy. He's the God who can be trusted. He keeps His Word. Notice what the widow said again. Let's go back to her words. Look at verse 24. Look at what the widow says in verse 24. Then the woman said to Elijah, she noticed two things. Now by this I know that you are a man of God. She's confident of that. You know, she'd just seen her child go from death to life. Now I know that you're a man of God. Now notice the next part. And that the word of the Lord in your mouth. Notice that carefully. The word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. What was accomplished here not only proved that Elijah was a man of God, but that the word of the Lord in his mouth was the truth. She knew that Elijah was speaking on behalf of Almighty God. He was God's prophet. And what God says is true. She'd seen that in her own life. 
as the Lord lives, you're going to have enough oil and enough flour to make it throughout this drought. And now I know that the word of the Lord in your mouth is true. What God says is true. He's trustworthy. He's dependable. We can rest in His promises. Beloved, we have a real God. He's living. He's active. He's trustworthy. But you know what? There's one more thing I want to show you. And that's this. Our God is good. Our God is good. If there's no other lesson you take away today, I hope you'll take that one. If we could really understand, beloved, that God is good no matter what, it would change our lives. Do you see the goodness of the Lord in this story? Elijah is sent to a heathen land to a widow who is not a Jew, mind you. You know, I told you that uh, the Lord Jesus talked about this widow later, right? We know this is a true story. The Lord Jesus talks about her. It's in the Word of God. And if you'll look in uh, Luke 4, you might just jot this down. You can listen or you can look it up if you'd like. But at least jot it down. Luke 4, 25 and 26. The Lord Jesus talks about this widow. And I want you to hear what He says about her. Luke 4, 25 and 26. Here's what He says. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah when the heaven was shut up three years and six months. And there was great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent except to Zarephath in the region of Sidon to a woman who was a Jew. A widow, rather. Who was a widow. She's not a Jew. She's a Gentile lady. And it reminds us that God's goodness is not reserved for a select few. It's available for all who call upon Him. Jew and Gentile, black and white, rich and poor, married and single. It matters not. God's grace is available to us. His grace is ours for the asking. If we'll call upon Him. And our God is good. We need to realize that God is good no matter what's going on in our life. No matter what circumstances we're going through, it doesn't change God's goodness. The reason that we struggle with that whole idea, I think, is because we don't understand as God understands. His ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. But if we could see as He sees, we'd understand just how good He is. Listen, we all have real problems, but do you have the real God? If not, receive Him today. He's not a figment of our imagination. He's not one that's far removed and silent. He is living and active and powerful and trustworthy and faithful and good. As we sang earlier, never once have we ever walked alone. You are faithful, God. You are faithful. And can I just say to you moms out there today, you don't have to pretend anymore. You can be real. It's okay that you have problems. It's okay you don't have it all together. That's the case for all of us. We're real people with real problems, but there's real hope in our very real God. And in the midst of our problems and our trials and our struggles and our sorrows and our heartaches and our desperation, we can cry out to Him and find grace to help us in our time of need. 
We can bring our burdens to Him knowing that He will sustain us. And this is real help for real moms. This is real help for real people, all of us. That we serve the real God. There's an old song that came to mind as I was preparing this message. And I thought it fits so well with what we've talked about today. I want to leave you with the words. You remember the song? Days are filled with sorrow and care. Hearts are lonely and drear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Calvary, Calvary. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Remember how it goes? Cast your care on Jesus today. Leave your worry and fear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. Troubled soul, the Savior can feel every heartache and tear. Burdens are lifted at Calvary. Jesus is very near. The Bible says, draw near to God and He will draw near to you. I want to encourage you to do that, friend. Father, I want to thank you for this story of this precious lady. Lord, I look forward to meeting her one day in glory and hearing more about your awesome provision in her life. Thank you, Lord, that you chose to send Elijah in this instance, not to Israel, not to a Jewish widow, but to a heathen, to a Gentile, to an outsider, because you love all people. And you're not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And Father, I pray if anybody here is not sure that they really know God and those who already know that, they don't know You. I pray Your Holy Spirit, Lord, to convict their heart, show them their sin, show them their need, and bring them to faith in Christ today. And then, Lord, I pray for all those here that know You and yet the struggles are real. The heartache, the sorrow, the desperation, the issues, the challenges, the strain, the stress, the toil, labors day in and day out. Thank You that Your grace is sufficient. Thank You that You're working in our lives. And Father, I pray that we would call out to You in the midst of our need and find the grace that we need, find the help that we need in our times of trouble. Father, minister Your grace in a very special way during this closing song. There are many burdens here today. I just pray for a fresh touch upon my brothers and sisters.
that, Lord, you would show yourself real. And that we could rest in your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Our closing hymn this morning, 294. Have thine own way, Lord. There's an altar here. It's open. It's for your use. It's for our use. If you'd like to come today and pray, whatever that burden is, and just cry out to the Lord, I would invite you to come. I'll be down at the front. If I can help you in some way, I'd love to do that. If I can help you in any way, just let me know. If you don't know the Lord Jesus today, you need to be saved. We'd love to share Christ with you. Just let us know that. We're not here to embarrass you. We're not here to hinder you. We're here to help you in any way we can. But I want you to be sensitive to the Spirit's leading this morning. And you come as God leads you. The altar is open. As we stand in Stand 294, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way.